Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Hello, and welcome back to the Sunday Monday Show. Jane here, and I am really excited about today's episode. Today, I have one of my dream guests, Claire Swinarski, the Catholic feminist, here in the studio on Zoom. And it's just such a joy to get to talk to her. For those of you who do not know Claire, she is an incredible podcaster, writer, children's book author, mother, missionary. I mean, this woman has done so much, not only um, for me, but for so many women uh, around the world who love Jesus and deeply desire to do his work in the world. Her podcast, The Catholic Feminist, ran for 176 episodes. And if you've never listened to it, I couldn't encourage you more to go and check it out. She talks about all sorts of things from social justice to scripture and theology. And I mean, it really is just such a joy to hear things from her perspective and from the perspective of the amazing guests that she brought on. So today we got to talk, we talked a little bit about the Catholic feminist, the Catholic feminism movement, and we also got to talk about her realizing her dream of being a children's book author. She is incredible and fair warning, you are going to hear me fangirl for the next 30 minutes. So if as long as you can handle that, I think it's going to be a great episode. Without any further ado, please help me welcome Claire. Claire. Welcome to the Sunday Monday show. I don't think you understand how excited I am to be talking to you or to hear you talking to me directly because I listened to your podcast for years and years and years. So this is super exciting. You are so kind. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I I mean, it's been a little while, but you are a podcast pro. So um, you can definitely give me some tips when we're done with this. But yes, I am a huge fan of your podcast, The Catholic Feminist. Now you have an amazing Um, offshoot of that letters from a Catholic feminist where you send a couple emails a week or a couple emails a month um, talking about some of these issues. So for anyone who isn't familiar with you or familiar with the Catholic feminist work that you've done, would you mind just giving a a brief overview of kind of where that came from, what you've done with it and, and kind of where you see it going? Sure. So like you said, I'm Claire Swinarski. I live in small town, Wisconsin with my husband and three kids. Before we hopped on this call, you were like, oh, I just ran up my walk in New York apartment. I was like, you're so cool. I'm in like total suburbia over here. Um, But yeah, I started the Catholic Feminist Podcast a few years ago, right after the infamous Trump-Clinton election, because I was just feeling super lonely in the Catholic space, to be honest. I didn't feel like people were having the kind of conversations I wanted to have. I didn't feel like people were talking enough about the sort of issues that I wanted to talk about. And I was really on fire for my faith. I was a former focus missionary. I know that you've had focus missionaries on before. You do a lot with focus um, and transitioning from that into a very secular workforce was, was very difficult for me. And I had just had my first child. And so I really wanted to start something creative that could help me live out my faith. And also because, I mean, I wanted to have one-on-one conversations with cool people. I mean, usually it's hard to have me on, but I got to have like Helen Alvarez on and just people I've looked up to for years and years. Yeah. So it was a really incredible experience. I was able to do that for about four years. I wrote two books during that time and did a lot of speaking And then I just felt the Lord um, asking me to make a change in my life. So I did. And so now 
life looks a lot different. Um, like you said, we are now a Substack newsletter, which is um, very fun to write. It is truly, I have my dream job doing that and I get to write fiction and I'm kind of like a part-time stay-at-home mom to my kids. And so, yeah, I mean, I very much am just living the dream over here in Wisconsin. I could talk to you for the next 30 minutes just about the decision you made to retire the podcast and move into something different because that email you wrote talking about why you made that decision to step back and and step into something different. I refer to that all the time. I have forwarded it to so many people, Claire, because it's such a fear, right? When you have something successful and good and you feel like you're making an impact with it, right? We just get so wrapped up in that, but you were so brave and did something that, I mean, I love reading your newsletters because I get to actually sit down. I'm so used to like content, like fast content and short things. And then I get to sit down and sit with what you're saying, or you had a guest um, author on recently. And it's just, we need more of that content. So I want to thank you. And if anyone didn't get Claire's retirement from the podcast email, I think it might be on your site now, if you want to find yeah, it. It is on the site. It's yeah, somewhere. We did a whole episode on the podcast too, kind of explaining it. And yeah, I, I appreciate that. I receive it because it was very scary to do. I didn't know if the audience was still going to be there. I didn't know if I was still going to feel like I was living out the Lord's will, but I feel like I'm living out the Lord's will more than ever before, to be honest. So yeah. Mm, It's so beautiful. So you did, you did this work under this brand and continue to do this work under the brand of this Catholic feminism. I think that's kind of a scary phrase for people. Like I'm (laughs) talking to the expert here. I feel like talking about Catholic feminism can be super scary. Um, but you've seen, you know, I'm sure you've seen a big, a big tide shift over the past few years as you've been able to kind of assuage people's fears around this idea. So what do you think has happened to the movement kind of of Catholic feminism from your perspective over the past few years? And where do you think we're going? Mm, That's such an interesting question. When I started the Catholic feminist, I I don't at all mean this in a hipster sense of like, I started talking about it. Now everyone's talking about that's not what I mean at all. I think a lot of things changed in society. But when I started the Catholic feminist, I did not see a lot of people talking about Catholic feminism. I mean, I had maybe heard of like Dr. Abigail Favalli. I've maybe heard Helen Alvary use the phrase a time or two, but it was not this super common talked about thing. And there also weren't a ton of podcasts for Catholic women. I mean, there were a handful. You had Fountains of Carrots. I think you had Leah Darrow. Um, But now, I mean, you can't round a corner without running into a Catholic woman podcaster such as yourself. I love it. And Catholic feminism, I think, has undergone some really big shifts in some ways good and in some ways less so. I think a lot more people are talking about Catholic feminism, which is amazing. It's a way more commonly discussed thing. I think that people are less afraid of it in some ways. And on the other hand, I do also see an unsettling trend of so much focus on the feminism that we are starting to leave the Catholicism out of it in what I think is a scary way. And so I continue with the Catholic feminists to focus on what makes us different from secular feminists, you know, not just why is feminism good? Why do we need feminism? But also like, whoa, we need to make sure our feminism is rooted. We can't let it float away into the sky like a balloon. It needs to be different. It needs to be rooted in Christ. And so I think you've got a lot of good things happening in terms of like the pro-life movement, um, focusing a lot on making abortion unthinkable. I've seen some really great changes in that. 
avenue. I've seen a lot more Catholics talking about things like paid maternity leave. That's awesome. I would just say that we need to continue keeping Christ at the center and not, not lose our Catholic identity because it's obviously um, the first and foremost thing. I love that. I totally agree with you. And I think that so much of our faith, right? So much of it, we can see the beauty of feminism. I mean, the feminine genius is just one of so, so many examples of that. Um, And I agree. I think that, you know, you really did so much to put it on the map as something to be talked about. And I think that over the course of 170 something episodes, you really did succeed in telling a really kind of nuanced, but very clear story of we're, we are out here for this equality, but it's, but it's so rooted in this truth of, of the faith. And, um, yeah, so thank you again for, for doing that for everyone. And, um, I will still go back and listen to some of your podcasts, uh, whenever I want like a better understanding of an issue, because you did just attack such a, I don't want to use the word attack. You did dive into a huge range of topics that I think are so important and relevant. Um, and yeah, continue to do that in your newsletter. So very, very grateful for all that work. I mean, we tried, we tried very hard. I know when I started the show, I wanted to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm a married mom in the Midwest, but I didn't want it to be a bunch of married moms in the Midwest. Cause I can bring that perspective, but I wanted people who could bring all kinds of things. So we really tried to get, you know, women struggling with same-sex attraction or women who were single or women who were, I mean, we had surgeons on there. We had just all kinds of different women on. And it was really a joy to do for four years. So, so great. Well, speaking of a joy, you, um, had a lifelong dream of being an author and you are a very published author. So that's amazing here. You know, we love talking to women who feel just a desire or call in their heart to do something. And I just, first of all, I'm in awe of how just obedient and open you are to where, where the Lord's calling you. But this is really cool because I feel like this is, you know, such a huge dream for so many people. And then to become, to, to publish a book, I mean, I can't even imagine. So can you share a little bit about, um, that experience of like taking the leap from this is a dream. This is something I want to do to I'm making it happen and, and where you are now. Yeah. I think being an author is one of those things that, like you said, a lot of people want to do, but people don't really know how to, how to become one. It, it's kind of almost like being a singer. It's like, how does Rihanna become Rihanna? Like, you don't know. It just seems like shrouded in mystery. Yeah. Um, so I had always wanted to write fiction. I mean, when I say always, I mean, literally my earliest memories, I was making books. I was reading books. I was telling people that I was going to write books when I grow up. I was just going through some old stuff at my parents. And I had like a, what you want to be when you grow up thing when I was in kindergarten. And it said, I want to write books. Like I mean it when I say I have always wanted to do this, but you know, as you, as you grow and you kind of learn about the world and I kind of did learn how books get published. I started to see that it's extremely difficult to make a living as an author And so I thought to myself, well, I'm going to do something with writing and that can be my income until I can make enough writing books. And so I went into journalism and political science. I thought I was going to go work at a newspaper, had an internship, hated it with the pits of my soul. I was like, get me away from this. I never want to do this again. Um, I became a focus missionary after college and I started blogging, which a lot of missionaries did back in my day. I don't know if it's as much of a thing now, but people really struggled with the consistency of it. Not me. I was like, I did Tuesdays and Thursdays for two years as focus missionary. Wow. Yeah. The blog got a little bit of traction and that's kind of how I had my first ever like quote unquote Catholic audience. Um, 
so then when I started the Catholic feminist, I had a little teensy bit of a built-in audience and then the podcast took off really quickly. And so I actually had a Catholic publisher reach out to me first and said, do you want to write a Catholic book? And so that's how the Catholic feminist books came around. But I, I mean, that was really great to do. I loved writing those books. I think that they're worthwhile and I'm proud to have written them, but my dream had always been to write fiction and specifically like secular fiction. Like I I didn't want to write like church books. I wanted to write books that pointed to truth, but weren't going to be shelved in the Catholic section of the bookstore. And so I had written just in my own 5am free time, a middle grade book and ended up getting an agent for that book by querying. So literally sending that book out to, I mean, I don't even know, maybe like a hundred agents. And I think I got like three agents offered to represent me. And then that book didn't even end up getting sold to an editor. So what an agent does is then they take your book and then they go, you know, like HarperCollins, you want this? Penguin, you want this? They like offer it to editors. And so that book didn't even get purchased. And so I had to go back and write a whole nother one. I mean, writing is like, it takes an extremely thick skin, um, which kind of aligns with being like the Catholic feminist on the internet, I guess. You were prepared. (laughs) Yeah, I'm used to people criticizing me or critiquing me. Um, And so I think... I decided to like really seriously pursue it when I was doing the Catholic feminist podcast. And I had, um, I had an office job that I also hated. I'm just like not cut out for the nine to five. I love to work, but I really get lit on fire by doing like creative work, being my own boss. Um, I'm not so great in, in a cubicle, um, situation. So that's kind of when I decided I'm really going to try to make this work. And I was lucky enough that HarperCollins, a huge publisher, wanted to buy my next book. And then they bought my next one, and my next one. And so things have just kind of snowballed from there. And so, yeah, I would say I'm the happiest in my career right now than I have ever been in my life. It feels great. That is so good to hear. And I, I liked go, even going all the way back where you said that you did an internship in journalism because you thought that was what was right for you. That's like, the biggest advice I give people is go try the thing you want to do, like try it. And then if you hate it, you know, because the thought of being a newspaper journalist to me, seemed very glamorous. And I I've always been interested in politics and culture. And I think that comes out a lot in the Catholic feminists now, but I was a poli sci major. And so I thought I'm going to go be a white house correspondent. So I lived in DC. That was my dream too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then really quickly I was like, oh, this is a lot of like chasing down random Congress people, like writing stories that don't have any meat because you just need to fill a few inches. Um, there's so much bias and agenda go that go into, I mean, journalism is just very broken. I think things like Substack are actually really going to help that industry because I think a lot of it is really broken but yeah I I totally agree like going to do the thing was life-changing for me because it showed me that glamorous vision in my head didn't exactly line up with the day-to-day grind Mm, totally and yeah and then it opens the door sometimes when something you know in your head it makes a lot of sense but in reality doesn't opens the door for the next thing and I think you know you did have those experiences so nicely ordered to get you to, to where you are now Um, but yeah, hearing how happy you are in your job is, is so exciting. And not only are you, you know, on top of the world in your career, but you also like just had a baby, your third baby. Yeah. So you have (laughs) three 
kids under what five-ish four I have a five-year-old a three-year-old and a four-month-old so and that's been that's been a whole adventure because our childcare situation was in such flux this summer of like our babysitter quit and then I found a new place and then that place canceled on me and so I mean it was a very much a working mom moment where I felt very connected to all the working moms of the world or at least of America where we have to handle this I always Mm -hmm. read books about people in France just sending their kids to like the government run daycare and I'm married to a libertarian so that's his worst nightmare (laughs) like oh man if we could just like go to like a small local place and we knew it was gonna be great and it was so affordable that would be so nice yes I can't so how do you how do you balance that right because you you mentioned before that you have these like 5 a.m writing is that still what you do like how do you do that with with kids that are kind of all over you know running all over the place yeah no my day has really changed so I still get up very early but the morning time is usually my prayer time and my workout time I am not athletic but if I don't get some at least like stretching in in the morning I am a raging jerk I'll say (laughs) all day to my entire family um and so then once my kids get up, my oldest goes off to school every day. He's in kindergarten. And then my little two, they have daycare two days a week. So if it's a daycare day, they like today, they are off to daycare for the day. And then I am just a busy little worker bee. And then on the days that they don't have daycare, I am a mom with them. I'm playing outside and reading the books and doing all of that. And then during their nap time, I'm getting a lot done. And then um, my baby is like an angel from the Lord. She is the easiest baby I've ever met in my entire life, let alone had. And so that's really nice because in the afternoon, you know, my do- my other daughter's three, so I can kind of set her up with f- finger painting or some, you know, PJ masks on Netflix. And then the baby will just hang out and I'll get stuff done. So it's very much like working in the margins on those other three days. But I mean, that was part of why I transitioned from the podcast to the newsletter because the podcast was just not sustainable with the time that it was taking unless I was going to hire a team. And that was where it was kind of, I think I addressed that in the email, but it was kind of like a put up or shut up situation. It was like, we either need to grow or we need to cut back. I can't go at this level anymore. I, you know, I think it's really tricky. I have, I have a few friends who are in the stage where they just had babies and they're sitting kind of thinking like, I really like my career, but I feel like I should be with my kids. And, you know, I think that even in kind of the Catholic world, there can be a bit of pressure in sort of like women who do feel called to do something like you, you felt this call since you were a kid. So sweet that you found that from elementary school. Just a bit, a bit might be an understatement. (laughs) I mean, it's just beautiful. And, and I, I have a lot of conversations with women who are, who talk about like, they feel as though they need to let go kind of of some of those dreams and some of those goals that they have because they're like, oh, well, I'm going to like fill it with something else. Like, how have you kind of managed that kind of balance of like doing this is something that serves me. And I think it's also something maybe God's calling you to do. Like, where do you, where do you find your balance in kind of pursuing those things? And also, you know, pursuing this, you know, continued beautiful role of being a mom to your three kids. Well, on the one hand, you might have to give up some things. I mean, I'm not saying you do for sure, but your life is going to look different with kids than it looked without. That doesn't mean it's going to look smaller. That doesn't mean it's good. I mean, I, again, I've published like five books before I turned 30. I don't say that to brag. I say it to say God can do impossible things with mothers. Um, but you might have to have to let some things go. And that's a conversation between you and God. But on the other hand, I think that 
God created us all with unique gifts, temperaments, personalities, and some women are called to be the stay-at-home mom. They are called to be the classroom mom. They are showing up with the lemon bars and they are keeping things moving so that these other moms can be the brain surgeons, can be the dentists, can be, I don't know, the gardeners, the book writers, whatever. I think that we all have a role to play. And so it's almost to me less of a balance and more of just a continual conversation with the Lord. Like, what do you want me to do? do you, because if God wants you to go do this dream, which I believe he does for me, do people judge me for that? Of course they do. Random people on the internet all the time, people in my real church. But I mean, Jesus never said, and then everyone's going to approve of your decisions and applaud you for them. No, he talked about the world hating you. <laughs> he talked about carrying the cross. And so for me, it's a good reminder to just stay rooted in scripture. As long as I'm reading the gospel and seeing what Jesus says, it becomes much easier to ignore the like random woman on Instagram talking about how my children will be traumatized, you know? Um, so I, so I mainly focus on that. And I think just continually asking the Lord and being open and knowing that what he wants me to do might not make sense to other people. And that can also work both ways. You know, I think a lot of people were very confused when I I, the Catholic Feminist as a podcast did extremely well. I mean, it had millions of listens and it was very popular. And so I think that some people were like, why the heck would you ever let that go? But what the Lord asks you to do does not always make sense to other people. And I think the best way to just remember that is really to carve out that time in your day to read the Bible and pray all those things that we know we're supposed to do. And it's hard to make time to do. If you're feeling really stressed, like you are feeling a lot of pressure, I think probably you need to like turn the outside voices off because people can want to give you good counsel and that's great. Maybe you have some people in your life, like your, your spiritual director and your mom and your best friend whose opinions mean a lot to you. And you can definitely listen to them and take them in. But at the end of the day, it's between you and the Lord. And I know my schedule doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but I truly don't care. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom in that. And it's, it just totally aligns with everything you did with the Catholic feminist, which was really taking a step back and saying, you know, the beauty of Catholic feminism is that we're all called to different things. And we all, I loved what you said about, you know, some moms like being the, being the room mom, like that's so necessary, right? We need all of that. And we need women to show up and do the things that they they're being called to do because it's different. And I, I totally, I totally think that that comparison and that competition can, can really pull us, pull us back. Yeah. And a lot of that pressure comes from pushback of the world. And I get that, you know, I, I get that sometimes stay-at-home moms can feel really under attack. Like, oh, they think that I'm wasting my talents or that I don't have a brain. And so a lot of that pressure from women in the church, I think can come from an emotional place. And so I have a lot of empathy for that. It's not like I get super angry when people do that. I get, I get more angry when they do it to people who are actually influenced by it, I guess. To me, I'm like, I can handle anything, <laughs> like whatever. You can throw anything at me. I just hope that um, more easily swayed people don't take in those messages and then not do what the Lord wants them to do because that would be a shame. Mm, such a shame, truly. Yeah, I I think it is really hard though to, to be able to 
to step back from the voices that are coming from outside or even, you know, from people that we love. Um, you know, most of the people who listen to this podcast are women in the workforce, many of them working in secular jobs, obviously, you know, trying to live our faith and trying to be really bold in that in our, in our workplaces, maybe not necessarily from like standing on top of a table and saying everyone be Catholic, but more of, you know, really trying to live that virtue through our work and show up, um, and be Jesus to people in the workplace. I think we're also in a really unique position to evangelize, to be, you know, bringing people to, to the beauty of the church in, in our workforces or like I'm in school right now, right? Like 99.8% of the people I'm meeting do not like share my faith or a lot of my, you know, um, a a lot of those things. And so for me, there's that great opportunity. What sorts of things do you think? Like you've talked to so many women who are making such an impact in the world, many of them in secular areas. Like what things do you think stand out that we as women in the workforce, um, can, can bring into our daily lives to help, um, you know, love people better or lead? That's a really good question. I think it's probably going to depend both on your industry and your personality, but there's probably a couple things that can work for all of those. The first I would say is the, would be the importance of not being afraid of your faith and sharing your faith. I kind of think we're living in a crisis of courage at the moment in the year 2021. I think that people are very afraid of seeming like you're pushing your faith down someone's throat or you're judging people for things as simple as, you know, going to mass on Ash Wednesday in your lunch break or something like people are afraid to tell their coworkers. People are afraid to pray before meals. These are very small, tangible things that we need to be doing because the Lord asked us to do them a and B because they are a really great shining light. And I think you'd be surprised at how many conversations can be started that way. I've talked to a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of people in the medical field, a lot of people in my family and a lot of my friends are NPs, nurses, PAs, doctors, whatever. And the conversations that they have with patients about God are, are very inspiring. And often those conversations are just started by them, you know, wearing like a crucifix necklace or praying before a meal, not walking in to someone on their deathbed and being like, here I am to evangelize you because that's not ethical. But, but just by living out that faith, I think people are very much drawn to that. And then I also think fighting for policies that make earth look like it is in heaven, right? So whether it be, um, you know, standing up for the women in your office who need to pump, that's something that I hear a lot um, about women having to pump in the bathroom in their cars. That's illegal. (laughs) Okay. Offices are required in America. I don't know if you have a bunch of international listeners, but it's probably better in Europe, to be honest, but in America, they're required to have a space for you. That's not a bathroom or your car. That seems very small, but that's really an act of human dignity that needs to be addressed and brought to attention. And so I think that's fighting for small policies like that can also be a really influential way to bring your faith into the workplace. And that's probably a great way where you can join hands with people who don't share your faith. I mean, that's not necessarily seemingly a Catholic point of view, but it has to do with human dignity. So it is, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that just standing up for, for truth and being bold. If something at your work is happening that you think is unethical, um, whether it be, I don't know, someone asking you to lie about something or something in your work policies that doesn't line up with your faith, 
really feeling the courage of your convictions to speak out, I think that you'll be rewarded for that. Maybe not on earth, but definitely in heaven. (laughs) So I think kind of all of those things are really influential. And then the last thing I would say is having conversations with other Catholics in secular jobs. So very much like what you're doing here. I think finding community is so important. Um, The devil loves us to be lonely. He loves things to be hidden. He wants us to feel like we're all alone. And so the less we can feel like that, the better. And so, you know, maybe there's no one Catholic in your workplace, but if you even have another Catholic friend in another secular job, if you guys can like meet up every couple of weeks for a FaceTime and just encourage each other, I think that that can make a huge difference too. Those are all so, so good. I, I don't think we've even really emphasized enough the the first couple um, ideas you shared about fighting for human dignity and how standing up for someone is an act of charity, an act of faith, um, and an act of love. And I loved your phrase, a crisis of courage. I couldn't, I could not agree with that um, more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's so many ways in which we can we can really encourage one another. And that's been cool for the Sunday, Monday we've done. I was in DC before this and we did a meetup in DC. We're doing a meetup in New York in a couple of weeks. That was a huge reason why we started was I was in San Francisco with a bunch of, with a bunch of amazing women who were all striving to live our faith. And we found each other and just those conversations. be an easy place to be a Catholic. I cannot imagine that it's easy to be a Catholic in San Francisco. And I mean, this, it's not easy to be a Catholic anywhere, obviously, but we need to stand together. Like we have got to form these bonds in this community because I mean, I'm not here to, to push an agenda, but I don't think it takes a genius to see that. Like, I mean, Christianity is just being attacked, being attacked all over the world. Like we've got to stand together and, and fight for what Jesus told us to do, you know? So I think that's great. And it's hard to do it on your, it's so hard to do on your own, because as you said, like a boss might ask you to do something. And so just to have a sounding board of, Hey, everyone, I don't think I can, I don't think this is something that aligns with my values. Uh, and to have other people remind you like, or even like having, you know, we could talk about this forever, but even having like Christian women say like, it's okay for you to ask for more money. Like, it's okay for you to ask for promotion. Like those are things that you know, we can get so tangled up in like the humility of, of trying to be like, receive what you have. But, you know, as women, we have to encourage each other to stand up. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's great advice and definitely something we're trying, we're trying to do over here. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been so cool to talk to you about all these things. I think one last thing, I know I'm going to get a lot of questions about this. Um, you, you've said a few times, you're like, I don't really care what people think of me. Like I'm fine. And you also mentioned your prayer, your prayer life. What do you think is like the biggest driver of, of being free of those like people's expectations? Do you think it's a personality thing? Do you think it's, it's grown over time? Um, and then maybe are there any practices you have in your prayer life that have helped that? You know, I get this question a lot. So there must be something about me that makes people be like, wow, she's confident, but I, I guess <laughs> I am confident. I mean, maybe I'm egotistical. I don't know. Maybe I need more humility, but I, feel like a few different things. First of all, I I think that's how I was raised. I was raised by two super strong parents who raised me to be like, girls can do anything. You can do anything. Like you have special gifts that the world needs. Like I just had a great family. And I think that that's not everyone's experience. And I wish it was because that is so foundational. And I would also say, I think a lot of it comes from the literal Holy spirit, because I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm able to let things go like that. And then I would say also that I'm not always am. That was not grammatically correct. I'm not always able to let things go as easily as it may seem. 
but I have great people in my life who I'm able to call and cry to be it my husband or my mom. And, um, I think that having people in your corner that you can talk to is really helpful. Again, staying rooted in scripture. I constantly am saying to myself, Peter got crucified upside down. I can handle people being mean to me on the internet. (laughs) I I probably say that once a day. And I think at the end of the day, again, Jesus just did not tell us that the world was going to love us. And I mean, the world certainly doesn't love me. And sometimes I get super angry. And sometimes I want to tweet back a very witty 180 character tweet. I am great at those in my head. I, I script brilliantly funny clapbacks on Twitter. And then I delete them because that is not of the Lord. It is not fruitful. And I want to engage with a wide variety of people, but I have 24 hours in a day and I am not spending five minutes arguing with someone on Twitter over something that I do not think is worth my time. You know, if people really want to know what I have to think or engage with me, there's so many ways to do that. I have been on the internet for years. If you want to know what I think about something, it is real easy to find it out. And I think that, you know, recently I've been really struck by this this bar that I think that we have for each other and for women on the internet to, to just speak eloquently and perfectly about every single cause. And you need to think exactly this way, or you're just out. And I am not going to play that game. I'm just not. I, if you seriously want to sit here and say that I don't care about, I don't know, women with disabilities or women of color or women, I'm like, you know what? I made 170 podcast episodes. You can go listen to them before you tweet angry things at me because you didn't like an Instagram story I made. I just do not even have the time. Um, I mean, there's a quote that I really like. That's so I think it's something along the lines of uh, mother Teresa didn't walk around worrying about her thighs because she had crap to do. I'll say it that way. So in my head, I always say to myself, Claire Swinarski did not walk around wondering what people were saying about her on Twitter. She had crap to do. So that's my, that's I my soapbox. You too have crap to do. You do not have time for that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for you here, but I think the fact that you have been so courageous constantly, you've, you've probably survived a lot of things that people came at you for. And so now, you know, Hey, I made it through that. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I, and that's where I think the crisis of courage gets worse and worse and worse because we don't do the things. And then when something does hit us, it just hurts more because we haven't had that experience. So yeah. uh, I I mean, if I could sum it up, pray, read the Bible and get off social media, you're probably just on social media too much. We all are. So just take a break from it and you'll feel 10,000 times better. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, I know we're coming up on time, but my last question for you that I ask everyone is what is working for you right now? I wonder if you've gotten this answer a thousand times, but are you familiar with the Bible in a year podcast? I am. Yes. Yes. That is what is working for me right now. And I think it's working for a lot of people, but it is seriously so good for my heart to hear father Mike reading the Bible. And it's great because my Bible time is often cut short by crying babies. I mean, my daughter's four months old, so she's not really on a schedule. And so I can like listen to it in the car or while I'm folding laundry. And it's just a good way to get Bible time in. So that has been making a huge impact in my life. I, it is so funny. You said that because I did the Bible in a year religiously until about two and a half weeks ago. And then I fell way behind and I was so afraid to pick it back up because I don't like being behind on things. And I was like, I have so many episodes I have to catch on. It's going to take forever. Oh, oh I'm this- not on time. I, oh I'm, my I'm gosh. Inside. 
no, 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 no. I am not like on the actual day. Don't even worry about it. I, all the time I'm like, this might be Claire's Bible in two years. I don't know. I, but I'm like, it's better than nothing. So. so much freedom. Literally every single day for the last two and a half weeks, Jesus has been like, just turn it on Jane. I know you don't like being behind on things, but just, you're going to have to do it at some yeah. point. And Let so to this morning was the first time I went back to it. And so now that we're having this awesome. conversation, I feel so just like affirmed. Of, okay. Yeah. So wherever yes. you are in Bible in a year, it can be Bible yeah. in many years. It's just the yeah. Bible. That's like the day heart of one, it. Start it today. I mean, start it really today. Not, it's not like married to the calendar. Like you really can start it whenever you want. And it's, yeah, yeah it's amazing. Oh, that makes me feel so much better. Wow. Well, I mean, thank you so much for joining me. It's, as I told you at the beginning, you are my dream guest and thank you. So, so good to hear from you. You've inspired me to do this. I know you've, I've talked to many, many women, um, in all sorts of, all sorts of fields, you know, trying to live their faith and, and all, all of them, almost all of them cite you as, um, an inspiration for doing that. So there's a lot of us out here that are very grateful for you and for your courage. Um, and yeah, I'm so, so thankful that you agreed to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is great. Of course. All right. Take care. If you liked it, if you enjoyed it, if you learned something, we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend. Shoot it in a text, post it on social media, whatever you want to do. Sharing these episodes helps more people find them. And while you're doing that, if you could rate and review these episodes, that would also be so appreciated. If you're looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sunday Monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.